Did you know that you could earn ASHA CEUs for listening to these podcast episodes? I think this might be the most fun and most convenient way to earn CEUs ever. Whether you are sitting by your pool during quarantine or uh, trying to fill your commutes once we head back into a normal life here, uh, the opportunities are endless and it's so incredibly convenient. And the best part is if you use the code TALKING20, you get $20 off the PodCourse membership. That is a steal. So if you're interested in getting started, head to speechtherapypd.com slash teletherapy. Uh, click the button at the top of the page to become a member, and then just scroll down to the PodCourse membership section and click that white button. Can't wait to see you in all of the future courses. Hello, and welcome to Talking Teletherapy. This is a weekly webinar and podcast from speechtherapypd.com where we dive into the ins and outs of teletherapy for speech language pathologists. Each episode of Talking Teletherapy is worth 0.1 ASHA CEUs when you complete the accompanying webinar on speechtherapypd.com. Please visit speechtherapypd.com teletherapy for more information about earning ASHA CEUs along with this podcast. I'm Marisha, and I am your host this week. And without further ado, let's dive in and talk all things teletherapy. Hello there, and welcome to the Talking Teletherapy course with Stacey Krause. I am incredibly excited to have her here today um, to help us demystify some of the tech tips around teletherapy. Um, so a little bit about Stacy before we dive in. Um, she is a speech-language pathologist and certified auditory verbal therapist and also a teletherapist, which is why she's here today sharing some tips and tricks with us. She currently works uh, full-time as a school-based uh, teletherapist, providing services to children in K through 12. So she's seeing a wide range of ages and has lots of practical tips and tricks. And she also happens to create uh, no print, no prep speech language therapy materials, um, as well as resources for SLPs who work with children with hearing loss. So without further ado, hello, Stacey. And we'll just make sure she's set up because as we know, the first thing that we're talking about is uh, tech troubleshooting tips. And I think we might have some live practice here because as soon as we started, uh, her video and audio went away. So <laughs> we'll see how this works. Um, and I'm just gonna check. Okay, so she's coming back in now. Um, but before we dive in, I'm curious, where are you all tuning in from? Um, and do you have any specific questions that you were wondering about related to teletherapy? Um, so first thing, where are you tuning in from? And the second question is, if you are providing teletherapy, um, or just a quick snapshot of like, you're going to provide teletherapy, you're currently providing it, 
um, wherever you are um, in that gamut would be super helpful. Um, and then anything you're hoping to take away. I know that's a lot of things, but I'm super curious. So we've got SLPs from all over the United States, a lot from California, which is pretty amazing. Missouri and Arizona, that's where I am. And so it sounds like some of you are starting teletherapy in the near future. Um, okay, it looks like she might be coming back on. Okay, well, this is part of teletherapy is figuring out the tech issues. Um, okay, awesome. So it seems like a lot of you are considering. So hopefully we can make it so that you are still considering it in the near future. Um, yeah, so I think we'll just go ahead and get started. Um, but if you do have any questions, feel free to drop them. There's a Q&A box um, on the bottom right. It should be if you kind of, if you don't see it, just kind of move your mouse around. Um, so if you have any specific questions that you're wondering about or anything, even if it's not a specific question, something you're just really curious about, That'd be super helpful if you could drop that in the Q&A section because then we can um, make sure to address that. And so our plan for today is to talk about some different troubleshooting tips. So go-to strategies to use when something goes wrong. Um, and I know that Stacy is using all of those things right now. Um, I bet she is clearing her cache and restarting her internet and all of those things. So she'll get to tell us about that when she hops back on. And then um, we'll also be talking about, um, sorry, just a quick, we'll be talking about um, How to set up your virtual therapy room and Stacy has some really amazing hacks for that um, in terms of how to just keep yourself organized and keep your materials and resources um, easy like in an easy to access way without bogging down your computer um, and then uh, we'll also be talking about ways to like keep students engaged in that virtual therapy room um, and we'll also be talking about how to adapt the materials that you have, um, stuff that you've already purchased or things that you already have in your therapy room um, and making that work in a digital format. And then we'll also be talking about some other different materials uh, that we can use uh, to make that happen. So there's that, and it looks like some questions are coming in. So those will be perfect to have queued up for Stacy. Um, and then, yeah. So I'm going to definitely let her tackle the troubleshooting question, um, but I wanted to share something. I don't 
No, I don't think I've heard Stacy talk about this before, um, but I, we're gonna jump ahead to the organizing part because if you don't know me, I love all things organization. Um, and that's like the first thing that I wanted to figure out uh, when I was setting up uh, my digital therapy. So I'm gonna go ahead and kind of show you what I like to do, just setting up these slides um, to give you just a quick snapshot of something that might be helpful. So here we go. Um, okay, so my favorite hack is uh, Google Slides, and this is jumping ahead a little bit. We'll go back to some of the more basic ones in just a minute, um, but so we have, um, I like to set up a Google, a set of Google Slides for all of my students. Oh, it looks like she's here. Oh, you got Okay, we got it. So welcome, <laughs> Stacey. There's a nightmare come true, like, <laughs> there it was. <laughs> Wait, so how did you troubleshoot this? What tips did you use? <laughs> um, I was like, Kyle, my husband was out mowing the lawn. It's just like around this time of day, I don't know if it's the increased volume on the internet or what, it just occasionally will like glitch out. So we restarted, he just turned the modem off, restarted it and it came back on. So hopefully you can hear me now and it stays like that. Awesome. Um, and what other tips do you have when, cause there's, it's technology. So there's always things that go wrong. Um, what tips do you have like go-to strategies when things like you're get, trying to hop onto a session and things are not working? Um, a lot of times the student will have the wrong input on the microphone. Um, so is, you know, having them check to make sure they have the right microphone input. Um, but a lot of times it's something as simple as like the the cable's not pushed in all the way for the headset or um, a lot of times like clearing the cache is a big one that people just don't realize they need to regularly clear their browser history. And it just kind of builds up and causes a lot of slowness and bandwidth issues. Um, so that's something I talk families through a lot of times too. So yeah. Um, I think it could be, because I bet a lot of SLPs are like, what does it mean to clear the cache? Um, and it's tricky because like it's different for each browser. So like, would you just recommend Googling like how to clear the cache on whatever browser? Yes. And sometimes it is called like browser history or whatever. So just, you know, Google um, clear cache Firefox or browser, clear browser history, Chrome or whatever. Um, and then once you learn it, like I, I try to do it every morning um, just to, you know, get a good start on the day. Um, but a lot of people have no idea that they should even do that. Um, and a lot of people are scared because, you know, it'll, it'll, if you don't click the right thing, it could like wipe out your sage passwords and things like that. So you kind of have to just learn what it looks like that interface and how to appropriately clear it. So it's definitely a good thing to look into. Perfect. Um, and then any other tech tips that you think are? Um, a lot of times when my students are having issues or I'm having issues, I just say exit and re-enter. Um, honestly, it's a simple thing and it, it's not really, I can't explain it, but a lot of times just as simple, like exit the therapy platform and re-enter or try a different browser. 
Um, that works yes. a lot too. Yeah. So I think those are great tips because sometimes like it's all like these people, like it's humans who build these platforms and they do updates and something, sometimes things get glitchy. So I think yes. the exit and re-enter is great. Trying a different browser. Those are smart troubleshooting tips yeah. for sure. Sometimes they'll be like, oh, Chrome had an update or something and it just, you know, mm -hmm. it, it can mess with the platform. And so, you know, just trying a new browser or updating the browser, um, you know, checking for updates if it's not automatic can help too. Um, let's see. Yeah. Leaving, restarting, checking microphone input, um, unplugging the headset. Sometimes like I prefer my students to wear a headset, but sometimes if it's just, you know, something's up with that audio, just having them unplug and use the, you know, computer speakers or the computer microphone is, you know, better than nothing. So that works too. Okay, perfect. And anything else you wanted to add in terms of the tech side of things? Um, technology, um, being as close as you can to the Wi-Fi or being hardwired even better right into the modem can help with that. And then especially right now when a lot of people are home, they're all streaming their different devices. So that can eat up the bandwidth. So if your student's having issues, it's like, hey, is brother upstairs watching Netflix? <laughs> you know, you don't have to ask specifically, but you know, like, is, is there anybody else, you know, streaming on the internet right now? Um, you can, a lot of times that will help clear up some bandwidth for audio and visual. Okay, perfect. And then I skipped this part um, because we're super focused on the tech, um, but I, I did share an intro um, and I shared that you're an SLP, certified auditory verbal therapist, teletherapist, and that you create materials. Um, but I'm super curious just to hear a little bit more about your journey. Like how did you end up, especially since we're talking about teletherapy today, um, and there's a lot of people in the audience who are considering starting teletherapy in the fall. So I think this is particularly relevant. Um, just like how did you land on teletherapy and what your experience has been? Um, so I was working full-time in a pediatric clinic and on my day off, I decided to start teletherapy just to kind of dabble in it and see if I liked it. And then I loved it. <laughs> that was six years ago now. And then I kind of slowly, like I did one day a week for a while. And then I did like three days a week teletherapy and two in the clinic and then four and one. So I just slowly went into it. Um, because there was, you know, we weren't in the circumstances that we are right now, obviously. So, um, I really like to just I'm not a huge risk taker, so it was perfect for me to just kind of start exploring it a little by little. Um, and now I'm full-time teletherapy, so I, I love it. And I don't ever see myself changing back, but um, yeah, it's, it's not for everybody, but I think, you know, it's, it's nice that a lot of people are getting a taste of it right now in some, in some form um, and able to kind of, you know, see if it's something they want to pursue further, so. Yeah. The plus side. Then, do you work with like, is it more like private therapy in a virtual format or do you work with districts or what does that look like? I do, I do districts. Um, so I do a virtual school. So, um, really just one district. So they're all in their homes, um, doing like an online curriculum and online school. Um, so I do IEPs and I case manage the speech only ones and, you know, participate in all the IEPs and, do everything a school-based SLP would do, um, but just from home and just 
you know, not, um, they're not in their actual brick and mortar building like some teletherapy um, companies do. So I've done that too. So wow, it can look a lot of different ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool to hear because I've interviewed a couple of different people now on teletherapy and it's so cool to just hear how many options there are even just in that subset of yeah. speech therapy niche. So super yes. cool. Yes. Um, okay. Well, thank you for sharing about that. And so the second topic that we wanted to cover was just how to, because uh, I don't know, we all, or I am definitely a huge fan of organization. Um, I feel like that just makes me happy, but then it also helps because it's overwhelming to dive into something new and different. And I feel like if we can have a way to kind of organize our virtual space, that that can make a really big difference. Um, so what tips do you have? Like maybe, cause there's the like organizing our materials aspect of that. And then also kind of setting up the actual session. Uh, so what tips do you have in terms of just like getting things organized on our end? Um, well, I can't say I'm perfect, but I'm, I try <laughs> to, to do as best I can. Cause it can really save you a lot of time in the long run. So if you set up your file of your resources and, you know, all the PDFs or PowerPoint games that you have, um, and then, you know, you set them up in a way that makes sense for you, um, in terms of, you know, it could be goal area or age range or theme. Um, but the key that I tell people a lot is to make sure to name the file, something that kind of think of it like you're going to Google search your file explorer where you have all, all your files. So if you're going to want to look for um, multiple meaning words, you might make sure in the title of a resource that um, targets that you have multiple meaning words or, you know, whatever, if you want to use abbreviation, you want to stay consistent so that you're kind of just searching your file. Um, now I do organize it by language or tick and all of that, but a lot of times you have to click if you want to an R sound, you have to go into articulation and then R and then vocalic R or something. So it's kind of nice just to be able to have it set up where you can search your file explorer, at least on Windows, it might be called something different on Mac, but where those title, um, the titles of your resources are really descriptive in terms of maybe it's middle school range or high school or social language or um, St. Patrick's Day or whatever it is that you think you might search to try to find that resource. It's kind of thinking backwards. So, um, you know, I'm, other people do it maybe differently, but I prefer just to kind of have it by goal area and then sub goal. So vocabulary and then synonyms and antonyms and description or something like that um, for the digital resource organization. And then what was the other part? I'm sorry, Marisha, there was a second yeah, part. That's perfect. Um, and then, cause you also wrote a beautiful blog post with like amazing screenshots and things. Um, so if you're curious more, like if you're listening and you're curious about that, I definitely recommend going to Stacy's blog, um, and just go, it's just stacykrauss.com. Um, and that's one of your most recent posts. Yes. So, That'll yep. be, um, I think that'd be a great resource if you're just curious and want to see. What yeah, I, like. I love screenshots. So I included like kind of what it looks like for. No, that's awesome. Yeah. So. And then what does it look like? So in terms of, okay, so I'm getting ready to start this session. Um, how do you set up like all of your 
do you just like pull everything up before you start? Like, how do you know what you're going to pull for that particular session? Like, I guess I'm trying to get a, a little bit of the planning and also just managing all the digital stuff. Like, how do you yeah. work through that? So I use, um, it's a freebie in my TPT store, but it's like a grid and Excel spreadsheet that I make when I, and you know, I get a new student, I add them, um, to the, they each kind of have their own page with the goals. And then, um, you know, I can just kind of like so I will, you know, write just the keywords that I for the resource that I'm gonna use, you know, kind of like going back to that um organization and I'll just kind of write the um the name of the file, the first few words of the file. I typically don't pull everything up at the beginning of this the day, um, because it, it's just, it depends if, you know, you're going to have like seven or eight groups and they're all doing something different. It's just a lot of PDFs, a lot of, um, you know, memory on your computer to have all that open at the same time. So I'll usually just write the file name, you know, while I'm saying hello to the student, just quickly um, pull it up and, you know, the student doesn't even notice. It just takes a few seconds. So then is that, is that planning sheet something that you have printed out or do you just pull it up on your Yep. I have it printed out in a binder and then I have it like Mondays, kids, Tuesdays, kids, Wednesdays, you know, and it's kind of tabbed mm -hmm. like that. So, um, I can just kind of go through my day and, you know, just flip the page for the next student or group of students. So, yeah. And I think like there's, cause I've, I've been thinking a lot about like, what, sh what do I want to keep digital? What do I want like in a physical format? And I think that could be kind of nice because even if, like if there is a tech glitch and my computer is being a little slow, like I at least can rely on, like I know what I'm working on um, and what I need to target in the session and all of that. Um, yes. And so that can just help decrease a little bit of that anxiety. Like if there's tech issues, at least I know what we need to work on. I have access to that. And there's something satisfying about flipping through the day and like seeing that pile of papers, like, get smaller. I don't know. I guess I nerd out about that. <laughs> um, okay, so we talked about organizing the materials and then how to kind of how to plan that out and um, get everything set up. Um, so I'd love to chat about how to like set up the therapy room um, in terms of like actually interacting with the students. Um, and so I know that we have a bunch of different things that we talked about. Um, so one of the options is to mute your tab, which is kind of cool. So I'm just, I'll just go ahead and show on here. Um, I, I wonder if it'll show up. Let's just give this a try. So I just opened up a new tab and if you, right click here, you can click the button. Can you, let me know if you guys can see that or not, but then you can just do the mute site and then it won't make noise, which I think is a super helpful um, tip that Stacy shared on her Instagram actually. Um, so I think that is super helpful. Um, and then what other tips do you have to like set up the digital space for success um, when it comes one to therapy? One thing I think is important is 
students. So, or can you make their videos bigger for an articulation student that you're trying to get there? Um, you know, elicit a sound, maybe you want the faces bigger. So you just play around with the different setups and different formats of how you can set up your platform best for each student. It might not always be the small videos in the corner, you know, just kind of make sure you're thinking about um, if you can resize those or, you know, what works best. If maybe for social language, you want the two videos in the middle for, you know, to facilitate more natural Okay. All right. Can you? I can hear you. We're good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you want me to call in on computer audio or on phone audio, maybe I can do that and then at least. I think it's okay. Um, okay. It just yeah, keeps like the... closing and reopening. I have no idea. Yeah, that's super strange. Um, and so, yeah, because you were talking about how to set up your screen and this is, so it's a little bit challenging because there are a bajillion, probably not that many, but there are a lot of different platforms out there that we could be using. Um, so just, I think the biggest tip here is just to get familiar with a platform, but that's definitely a good one to look into. Like, can you change what the videos look like? Because we're currently yeah. using, we're currently using Zoom. Um, and so if you, in Zoom on the top right corner, if you are in, like, if you, I don't know if you guys can see it as participants, but you can switch between speaker and gallery view. Um, so that can be a nice strategy to use with your students. Um, and then um, another option. So we talked about muting the tab, changing what the screen looks like and how the videos are. Um, and then what else would you recommend, Stacey? Um, let's see here. Um... I don't know if we want to dive into screen share and mouse control, you know, just really having a grasp on that. Do you want me to talk about that? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. So, um, you know, you, not all platforms have the ability to share a window outside of the platform, um, like an internet window or a PowerPoint game. Um, but if you do, you want to know how to obviously how to do that. Cause that can open up a whole world of possibilities. Um, so, if you can do that, then sometimes you can give mouse control to the student, which is a lot less common. A lot of platforms, you cannot do that. And even if you can do that, you don't necessarily. This is strange. It keeps just booting me up and restarting it. Um, anyway, so um, maybe I'll stop my video just to help with the bandwidth issue. Anyway, so, you know, you can, you can give them mouse control um, to be able to manipulate the screen, but if you can't, it's okay. And they can use their language and you can click the buttons, for example. Um, you know, it's, it's not a deal breaker. It's completely fine to just square, share a screen and then they can um, tell you what to do, or you can talk through the, the, um, you know, what the content is on, that you're sharing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's perfect. And then again, it, it'll depend on the platform. So just like all of the platforms should have decent support. So if you can't find it in their help article, um, like they should have a way to email or reach out if you're having any trouble with that specific platform. 
Um, Google and YouTube are great options too. Yes. I was going <laughs> to say YouTube because people just put yeah. out their cut, you know, and it's like, oh, there's a perfect, you know, explanation of what to do. So. Mm -hmm. No, that's perfect. Um, and then do you know, I know that Zoom has mouse control. Do you know if there are any other platforms that do? Um, so I use Adobe Connect and Adobe Connect does as well. And so does GoToMeeting, um, which I've heard really good things about GoToMeeting. Um, and it's relatively inexpensive and it has a lot of great features. So it's kind of overlooked. A lot of people haven't heard of it, but GoToMeeting is another good one. Um, other than that, I don't know any others. I think that was the main ones that have it. Okay, perfect. Um, and then any other tips to help us set up our therapy room? Um, if you have a chat box, you know, just, you can use that for sometimes like a private chat with a student. If you want them, you know, if you have two students and you want them both to answer, they can do a private chat with you. So you can get kind of like twice the data. It's not always just back and forth that you can compare nice. answers. So. I like that. that yeah. could, that's a good strategy to use with groups if we're seeing groups of students. Yes. Yes. I think so too. It's, it's nice because, you know, they don't have to just kind of sit and wait and be given the answer and mm -hmm. give them another opportunity. So. Oh, that's perfect. I like that. Yeah. Um, any other tools or tips? Um, annotation for, you know, a lot of platforms will have annotation tools built in. So you don't necessarily have to screen share an outside window such as Adobe reader or, um, an internet browser with an extension. You can just use the platform tools. It's a lot, you know, one less step. And then oftentimes the student is able to use those same annotation tools, um, mm -hmm. where you wouldn't have to have them request mouse control. So just yeah, one less perfect. step to simplify that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, that sounds cool. And I wonder if it'll let us, okay, so maybe we can try sharing, like just to give an example, we could do like, I've, I don't know, I've never done this myself, but like, here's an example of what it could look like. Can you see the whiteboard too? Um, not, yeah, let me, is that here? Um, the whiteboard, I know it's in the actual Zoom. I don't know about the webinar. Oh yeah, now I see it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so like we, you can also pull up a PDF and things too, but this is just an example of what you could do. Like you, they have different stamps and you can add text. Um, so there's, and you can do this over, I think the features might be a little bit limited um, when it comes to uh, like doing this with PDFs, but maybe it's the same. Um, but you can have like a spotlight to draw students' attention, like if you're pulling up an articulation activity or whatever. Um, so there's just like different things built, like check out your platform, because this is Zoom, it's one example. Um, but I'm curious, does your platform have similar tools to this? Or? Yes, yep, we okay. have cool. yep stamps and highlighters and um, shapes, so. It's in really anything you can do that's normally a worksheet, you can do it on the computer. Um, so that's kind of cool. It's, it's just a different way of thinking about it, so. Yeah, super cool. Um, and then, okay, I think that's what we've got for setting up the therapy room. Or was there anything you wanted to add there? Um, 
I don't know if this would be under this or not, but one thing that I find to be helpful is at your first teletherapy session is doing like kind of a little crash course on the platform. So take like a screenshot of the platform from your view, you know, all the different where, you know, where you would go to change your microphone input or unmute or exit or chat and just, you know, show that to the student on the first session and kind of just do like a little tour so they can see um, that way they can hear you. Cause when, if you wait and you're only doing this one, it's a tech issue, they might not be able to hear you. So if you kind of spend that first 15 minutes or whatever, just talking through that, you'll save a lot of time in the long run. Um, give it, getting them acclimated and giving them tech support up front rather than Yeah, that's perfect. And I think it's because I think I've seen some SLPs share videos ahead of time, like kind of walking through the platform, like here's what to expect, which I think is a cool strategy. But I like the idea of doing it during the first session so the student can practice like muting and unmuting or turning in video and just running through some of the tech yeah. tips. Yeah. That's really save good. time if you do it when they can hear you <laughs> and it's um, not just like panic mode you know, and so it's, it is helpful to save run time in the long run. So. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, okay. So yeah. Oh, and then someone is asking, um, which platform we're using now we're using zoom and I added the hearts and letters. So you guys don't have this option because you're, um, participants, but when you are in a therapy session, um, you'll see a share screen button. It's like right in the middle. It's like highlighted. It's really easy to find it. Um, so if you are actually like hosting a therapy session, you can click that um, and you can click the whiteboard button um, or you also have the option to share like a PDF or whatever. And those options should show up then too. Uh, so that's hopefully that answers your question, Kathy. Um, and let's see, and we talked about those. Okay, oh yeah, and then someone was asking about how to share the screen, but I think we addressed that as well. Um, and so when you, like, do you typically use a small set of materials or do you have a lot of different things going on in your session? Um, I, I usually do one, one thing at a time, but you can, like share your entire screen or split screen. So maybe you have a game and your target word list and you kind of split screen that. So I have a second monitor, not, not everybody does obviously, but I can share that whole monitor where on one mm. side there's one thing, on the other side there's another thing and it's just showing the student the whole thing within the teletherapy platform. Um, I don't, do more than two though. It just kind of gets a little bit chaotic, but, um, and it's honestly usually, usually just one. So, um, yeah, I, I tend to do a lot of, you know, internet windows and then Adobe reader, which is free. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, the, um, PDF viewer and it has annotation tools. I tend to do those a lot and sometimes PowerPoint games. So yeah, that's perfect. Um, and then, so I think we're good to start diving into actually adapting 
material. So this, mm -hmm. the last section of our talk today will be like all things materials because we need some stuff to do in our therapy sessions. Um, so we talked about like the tech and setting up the therapy room. Um, so let's talk about adapting materials that we all might already have, whether it's um, actual physical materials or um, just any other PDF resources that we have. So what, like, do you use any physical materials in your sessions anymore? I don't, but Facebook has inspired me because a lot of people are showing what they're using um, with the younger crowd. I'm like, oh my gosh, why, why aren't I doing any of that? Um, sometimes <laughs> I'll do puppets, I guess. Sometimes I'll do puppets with the younger ones. Um, but I typically do all digital resources. Um, boom cards can are very interactive because they can have moving parts, um, which is fun for the student, especially if they have the mouse control. Um, but otherwise, it's it's pretty much PDFs. Um, but I use a lot of annotation or interactive PDFs um, to make it interactive, for lack of a better word. So, yeah, that's kind of, those are my go tos. Yeah, and then. Do you have any tips for, um, in related to like, if we we're just pulling some resource that we purchased on TPT and we were planning on printing and laminating it, but we never did, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, like what kinds of things can we do with like a static PDF? Yeah, you can do a lot. You can use those annotation tools either in your platform or on Adobe Connect. Um, not Adobe Connect, I'm sorry, Adobe Reader. Mm -hmm. Or there's um, Jamboard, which is, if you have a Google email address, it's a free, like one of their apps, like when you go to your, your Google email, you know, and you can go to Drive or um, Forms or whatever. It's one of those. If you scroll down, it's hidden. Um, but that's an annotation, um, you know, within the browser that you can pull up an image or just use it as a whiteboard. Um, and then a lot of times, you know, modifying those PDFs might be necessary if they're really big. You can compress them online for free. There's um, like smallpdf.com I use a lot that I can just put my PDF in and it compresses it so that it's a lot of times the platforms won't let you upload a really huge PDF. So it'll compress it or I can cut it, you know, like get a chunk of it to, to use in a session or um, send a page for homework to a student. Um, so that's really helpful too, is to be able to compress or, you know, forget the name, but like, you know, splice out a little bit of that PDF. So, um, so, you know, you know, using annotation tools to circle or highlight and then um, kind of cutting that PDF. Um, Oh, another thing I'll do sometimes is the snipping tool, which is um, just a built-in application for Windows and Mac has it too, where you can just kind of take a little screenshot of a part, like if I don't finish the page, um, you know, and I just want to send a little bit to, for homework, I'll just kind of take a little screenshot of that and send it as an image to the student via email or whatever. So, um, and I know this isn't the platform that you usually use, but would you want like, would you be able to give us examples of what those would look like? Yeah, sure. I closed everything. I had it open, but since my computer was acting crazy, okay. um, let me give it a try. Okay. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I like, honestly can't even believe that all has happened to me this week or today, but, um, all right, let me show you like this dots and boxes game for, you know, for older students, I'm going to try to share my screen. Um, 
This is Adobe Reader. Can you see it okay? Okay, so this is Adobe Reader. So this is how many of you probably open PDFs already. Um, and it's free, it's Macs or PCs, either one. And you can open your PDF and um, you know scroll down. That's probably what you're used to doing. But kind of the hidden gem of this is these comment tools. So if you go to this yellow button, click it, um, you have access to tons of different tools. So the ones I use like for this would be um, the pencil tool. You can change the color. Um, and you, if you know this game, you know, you just draw lines or you can make shapes um, with it like that. And also, you, again, you can change the color. Sometimes you can do, I forget which one's highlighting. Uh, it usually will tell you when you, oh, that's the eraser, I think, actually. Yeah, that's the eraser. So anyway, I think one of these is highlight, oh, this one over here. Um, so if you're reading text and you want to, you know, highlight a keyword, you can use that um, in that way to be the highlighter. So um, do you want me to show like, like cutting a PDF or slicing it? Okay, perfect. Let me close this here. I'm glad my computer's cooperating for the moment. Um, it'll be a different window. So let me stop that share. Okay, hold on. Oh, you're muted. Yeah, just while you're getting that set up, because um, you mentioned how to make PDFs smaller. Like a lot of times we can't email them or it's just harder to send them if they're really large. Um, so if you go like small PDF, yeah, that's it. Yep, is it sharing this now? Yep. Okay, um, so this has tons of different tools, um, but compressing a PDF is the one I use the most. You can just drag and drop, like if I, I don't know if you can see this file explorer window, but if I just drag um, the one I want to right in there, it'll upload it, it'll do its thing, and then I can download it and it's compressed it. Um, another one that I just found out about is I love pdf.com. I think I love pdf. Yeah, that's it. I love pdf.com and that is super easy and has tons of free PDF functions. Um, so those are really helpful to be able to use the resources you already have for distant learn distance learning or for teletherapy. Awesome. So, so it's being really slow, which is the story of my life this afternoon. So yeah, it's like they know they're like, oh, she really needs her internet. We're going to make it hard. I honestly, yeah. I'm going to hope like wake up tomorrow and be like, was that a nightmare? No, that really <laughs> it's all good. Um, it's part of the game. We just get to laugh about it and uh, can't stress too much about the tech issues yeah. because they come up just like issues come up in our therapy rooms too. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's just a different world. Yeah. Um, and then what about the, oh, there it goes. Yep. So I could, I won't do it now because I'm afraid I'll <laughs> suck all my bandwidth, but I could download the, um, basic one, or if you have the paid version, it'll make it a little bit more, but it's, this has always been fine for me, the basic compression. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's super easy. And I think that's a good hack to have, like mm -hmm. just in life I've had to use that. So mm -hmm. yes, <laughs> uh, that's a good one. 
And then what about snipping pages? What does that look like? Yeah, that one I'll um, share again. Let's see. I think I'll just share. You, you'd think I would know Zoom by now. I've been on several different webinars and things. You'd think I would know it. Can you guys see my screen? Mm -hmm. Okay, I have it um, bookmarked down at the bottom. Like it's one of the ones I use a lot, but you know, on Windows, you can just click this button and type in snipping. It'll take you right to it. And I've just saved it down at the bottom here, but um, I just go to new. Well, let me get up the resource I was gonna. Um, so I hit new and then it, shows me a cursor and I can just click and drag what part I want. Um, then it kind of just gives you a, another window with that, whatever you snipped, and then you can go file, save as, um, or if you're just going to copy and paste it into an email or something, you can just right click copy, go to the email, usually not for like a re like an activity, but like if you're just wanting to show something or just send it where the, nothing they have to print, you can just kind of copy it and paste it into an email. So nice. you can highlight on here too, or draw, like if you want to circle the direction of what they need to do, you can use the tools here too. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then um, on a Mac, it's called screenshot. So if you just type in screenshot or just start typing like SCR, then that'll show up too. Perfect. And yes. It has the same options. Uh, so that's super cool. I think those are some nice nifty little tricks to help us use the materials that we already have. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything that you would add um, in terms of those before we get oh, into like the digital stuff? Yeah. Well, one other way to just kind of splice out a part of a PDF is oh, in right. Adobe Reader. Um, if you if you print to PDF, I can share show this too if you want. I think this is super important. Yes, this is helpful, which I didn't honestly realize it until like a year ago. So this is, this is kind of new in my world too. Um, but if you want to just do a few pages, you don't want to send all the whole resource to a student. You just want to send page 12. Um, you can go to file and then print. And then where it says select the printer, you would just instead do print to PDF. That's just going to make it so it spits out a PDF and doesn't actually print anything. Um, and then you can just say the current page, or if you want to do a page range, you can do that too. It says print, which is confusing, but it's actually going to prompt you to save it. So that is um, another easy way, just where you don't have to upload anything to the internet. If you just want to grab a quick page or two, another good way to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, that was, um, the ways to modify. Yeah, I think I got them all. Sweet. And then, uh, so what other types of materials do you like to use? Because it, just looking at a static worksheet or PDF, I mean, we can make it fun, but do we have any other cool tools? <laughs> yes. Which things up? Yes. Um, it does get a little, I mean, it, it works. And honestly, for the short term, you can annotate it all your PDFs, but it does get a little bit monotonous sometimes. Um, you know, interactive PDFs are really fun because you don't have to, I mean, they can be, usually they're more bright and colorful and you don't have to um, use those annotation tools, which isn't, a, they're not a barrier, but it just makes it a lot more clickable. You can type right in 
like text boxes that are already there. I can show one of these too if you want. Yeah, let's see what it looks like. Okay. Um, I wish I hadn't closed everything, but I was not, I was just in panic mode earlier, I think. Yeah. And that's another good troubleshoot or like you showed us two good troubleshooting tips. It's like turning off the camera to yep. save bandwidth because video takes a lot. And yes. then another strategy is to just like close down as much as you can, like only have the essentials open. Good point. I didn't even think I just kind of did those and um, <laughs> without thinking. Um, okay, so this again is Adobe Reader. Um, it's the same, same way that I open up any other PDF, um, but it's more of an interactive PDF. So it has clickable buttons um, where Ooh. you can just click through. You don't have to navigate through the pages like this. Um, it's just kind of more like an app almost, or, you know, like um, a program rather than a document. So you can click through. I'm trying to find one that has like a a check mark. Check boxes are built in. Um, it might have like text boxes so you can type right in the text box. It's kind of like when you have to download a form, not when you have to, but when you download a form off the internet or something and you have to fill out a form digitally, it's kind of like that where the fields are already in there. Um, so that's another resource type that I use a lot of. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, and then if we're, if we're looking, cause I've created less fancy versions of those. Like I like how you added the text and the check boxes. That's super cool. Um, so if we're looking for those, like is like on, like on teachers pay teachers, for example, um, do we just type in like interactive PDF or what keywords would you Yeah. Have? Um, yeah. I mean, I usually put interactive PDF. If there's another name, I don't know it, but there could be, I usually do interactive PDF in the title. Um, maybe I, sometimes they're called no print too, right? Yep. No print or digital. Um, it can be like digital can be a lot of different things, but, um, no prints can be either the static PDFs that are just more designed for an iPad. They're probably in like horizontal instead of vertical orientation. And they might have a lot more color and just like be more um, like not prone, but more easily annotated than like a black and white printable. So static PDF can still be kind of more like no print friendly. Um, and then interactive PDF has like those built in buttons and, text boxes and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yeah. And I think the, the landscape orientation is nice because it can fill this computer screen a little better versus the eight and a half by 11. Yeah. It's a little more awkward. Yes. Yep. Um, okay. Awesome. And then what else do you like to use in your sessions? Um, boom cards. I feel like I talk about those a lot, but I love them. Tell us about those. <laughs> So boom cards, if you don't know, if you haven't used them yet, they're just like digital um, task cards. Um, and I can show these too. I, again, I closed out everything, but I can log in real quick. Um, digital task cards. And really, I mean, they were designed for like teachers to use for like flashcards, but speech pathologists have taken them to a whole new level. So um, <laughs> we've made them into something even way cooler. Um, we as like a profession, I should say. So Boom Cards are housed on the Boom Learning Library, which or platform, which is web-based. So it's 
cloud-based. You don't download Boom cards. They just stay here on the website in your library. There's also an app version, so you could use it on a tablet or your smartphone. Um, but in your library, you have decks that you've either created or purchased, or there's tons of free ones too. Um, so you go to your library, like in teletherapy, and you are going to screen share this internet window, um, the browser window, and then you just click on whatever it is. Like here's a free deck that I have. You just click on the deck that you want to use. It says preview. Cause again, this is kind of like designed for teachers to like preview a deck. They're going to have their student play in a center or something, but for speech therapy, using it as a tool, it will say preview, but you're still playing the deck as normal. So you can, um, you know, this is just like articulation, like our words. So it can be as basic as that, or, um, you know, some of them might have like a multiple choice, um, set up like this, or some of them I'm just trying to show a real quick, like different types of them. You can have drag and drop. So this is kind of cool because you can't really get this on a PDF where you can move parts like that. Um, so they just have a lot of different activities. There's just a lot of variability in boom cards, but they offer just a lot of interaction and, um, you know, colorful pictures and things like that that are really great for teletherapy. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and then do you have any other types of materials that you like to use? Yeah, I use um, PowerPoint games a lot. Um, Simply speaking, SLT has really cool PowerPoint games and those are just, they're PowerPoints, but you play them in um, show mode or I forget what it's called because I don't the make presentation them. mode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, um, you know, things spin around and you can um, move different pieces. And so those are really fun games too. If, um, if you're allowed, if you're allowed, if you're able to screen share. So nice. Um, and then anything else you'd recommend? Oh, uh, what else do I use? Websites. Um, some that I use a lot are abcya.com. Um, it's kind of got a lot of ads sometimes, but it's got really fun, interactive games, especially for younger kids. Um, matchthememory.com is, um, memory games and there's been speech pathologists on there creating because there's like, you can just type in search R, um, in the search, you can type in like R initial and you'll find games that people have created memory games. So that's really fun. Or, you know, you can do plant vocabulary or whatever, just type it in and somebody's probably made it. Um, so that's a good one. Thecolor.com um, is a good alternative to like not having to use annotation tools to color everything. It's just a website where you can pick a coloring page in black and white, and then you click color, click on the image where you want, and it fills it in the color that you've picked. So it's like a, you're coloring, but it's a lot cleaner and easier for kids that might get frustrated trying to color with the mouse. Um, toy theater com is another good one that has a lot of interactive games like there's an uno on there um, it's not called that but it's pretty much like playing uno there's like a lego building activity 
um, just some other games that kids are familiar with, similar concepts. Um, so that's a great website. And then um, Wacky Web Tales. It's, it's kind of like a part of another website I'm blanking on, but it's a good website for, it has like Mad Libs for older kids. Um, so you can type in the nouns and the adjectives and stuff and it, it will um, plug them into you. So that's a, a fun site for older kids, especially. Ooh, those are some awesome recommendations. There's a couple new ones for me in there. Oh, good. So love it. <laughs> good. Uh, okay. Awesome. So yeah, we talked about how to use like PDFs that we already have and all the different cool tools that we have access to. Then we talked about boom, well, interactive PDFs, boom cards, PowerPoint games, websites. Um, and then I think we're ready to dive into some questions. Sure. Okay. So um, just kind of wrapping up the uh, materials questions. So how do you find Adobe or like PDF resources that are interactive? And we kind of talked about this, but it's really about using a specific search term. Yeah. Um, interactive PDF is a good search term. Um, I'm trying to think what else. No print or digital are good terms to search, at least on TPT. Um, I'm trying to think there's, that's pretty much the one, the way to find them. Um, yeah. And then what about PowerPoint games? Is it, is, cause you mentioned SLT. Uh, yeah. Simply speaking SLT Brooke, okay. she's a New Zealand SLT cause that's, they call them there, but she's, yeah. she makes really cool PowerPoint games. Um, like that are like, um, caribou and, you know, games again, that kids are familiar with. I think she just did a pop the pirate one, but it's, it's a PowerPoint game. It's like you open it in PowerPoint and like in show mode, like Marcia said. So, um, I think if you type in PowerPoint games or PowerPoint game, maybe that's probably the best way to find those, the best search term for those. Um, but simply speaking, SLT is the one that's made the most, but, um, of PowerPoint games. So She's got a lot in her store that are pretty cool. I'm just looking up the link real quick. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank that you. looks, yeah, it looks awesome. She has a lot, a lot of stuff. Yeah, she, she's a genius. I'm like, oh my gosh, how did you figure out how to make that do that? And That is so smart. Um, okay, so uh, then in terms of setting up the therapy room, um, an SLP is asking, like, when you share the screen, can the student still see the therapist? Can the therapist still see the student? In Adobe Connect, yes. Um, there is a setting I have to change, and I just make sure it's that way at the beginning of the year, and it stays that way. But it, um, you know, it'll share, like, my window or, like, a window that I'm sharing, <laughs> an internet window, and I just kind of put that window in front of the platform. Like, I minimize that window and put it in front of my window that has the platform. Sorry, I feel like I said window a hundred times, but so then I can see them in the video here and then I still see what I'm sharing too. Um, but I know that is a question a lot of people are asking. I'm sorry, I don't know the answer. I know that in Google Meet, I think some people are having issues. Or I can't remember which ones, but where they don't see the student and I'm sorry, I can't, I don't know that it's, if it's possible and if it is how to do it. Um, but I know in Adobe Connect, I can. Yeah, I've been able to share and still see the student like in Google and in hmm. um, 
what's the other one called? Uh, Zoom. Zoom. We're on it right now. <laughs> um, but I think that again is super platform specific. So just reaching out to the platform or Googling it or yeah. posting in the, cause the Facebook groups are incredible resources at this point. Too. Yeah. Um, so just asking around and I'm sure someone has a solution or at least yeah. an answer if it's not possible. Yeah, for um, sure. Okay, cool. Um, and then, okay, so I think this one is perfect for you. So uh, one of the SLPs attending today says that her, his or her students are all hearing impaired and they're all having some degree of difficulty accessing the different platforms. Do you have any tips either to help them hear better or for offering closed caption? Yes, I just wrote a blog post. Um, it's my most recent one. Actually, I didn't write it. I can't take credit. I had a pediatric audiologist guest blog, Lindsay um, is her name. And she's got the Instagram account, um, listen with Lindsay. It's an A Y um, at the end, but she wrote a guest blog post for me and laid out like strategies for the speaker, you know, or modifications for the speaker, modifications for the child and then the environment. So definitely check that out. Um, she gave some really good ideas. Some are, you know, kind of technical, like using a splitter with Bluetooth to their device if they have a cochlear implant or hearing aid. Um, but, you know, just as simple as there is a closed captioning option that she provided, um, you know, just, pat, you know, if you're getting a lot of reverberation, just kind of having soft surfaces as much as you can or being in a smaller room with carpeting and things like that if possible. So um, check out that post. It, I think it, she did a great job. So yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Like really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are amazing. And then, um, one thing that I think is helpful too, if you use Google slides, um, I like, I was just experimenting or one of my friends actually showed mm -hmm. me, um, I'm trying to see if I am able to share it to see what that yeah. looks like but there is a setting in there where, so you could use that just to, I don't know if it would be too clunky, um, but there's a way to do close, like to turn on closed captions so that it, mm. oh man, I wish I had it. Uh, I forget That's how cool. to, let's see. If we have a question that we can <laughs> answer, close caption, Google slides. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a new feature that makes presentations more accessible for everyone with automated closed captioning. So it's not going to be perfect, um, but when you present with Google Slides, you click the CC button in the lower left corner or press Control on PC or uh -huh. Command Shift C to enable it. Wow, so I guess it shows up when you go into presentation mode. Oh, yep. And there it goes. So oh, if wow. you just, like, I don't want to mess it up, do it here. Cause I don't want to mess up the audio, yeah. um, but it's so cool. It's just like watching a TV show and it just shows it's That's amazing. Incredible. That is so cool. Technology is um, so cool. And I know that might not be ideal for all of our students, but I just, I thought that was really cool um, for students who are good readers. Somebody said it has, Zoom has it in beta testing. I was in a meeting the other day in Zoom and they, it, I did see the closed captioning. I was like, how cool. yeah, mine was blown, but yeah. That's amazing. 
Um, okay. And then, okay, we, let's take, like, are you okay doing a couple more questions? Yeah, I'm good. We had a little bit of extra stuff. Oh, yeah, um, and I messed up at the beginning, so. So, <laughs> any, good. do you have any tips for, like, physically handicapped children, like, children who have CP? Like, have you? Um, when I was in the clinic, I had a lot of kids with physical challenges. I haven't so much, um, you know, touch screen is something that comes to mind rather than a mouse. Um, let's see here. Touch screen. Um, obviously parent, you know, you're going to want the parent to help with them. So helping to, you know, get the, you know, if there's something that they can help with manipulating on your end, then that would definitely be something to, you know, get the parent to help you or whoever the caregiver is. So yeah, other than that, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not super experienced in that. I'm trying to think if I know anybody that does have a really good base of knowledge on that. Okay. No, nobody's coming to mind. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I'll definitely keep my eyes peeled too. Um, and then, um, have, well, I, this is like a follow-up question. Um, like, have you worked with any yes, no, or alternative ways for students to point or express who are nonverbal but need to respond? Have you done that with your sessions? I have. Sorry. Um, no, I have had um, a couple students with devices, like on, um, they had an iPad but I haven't had a lot with like other, um, AAC. Um, sorry, I I really haven't. Um, and that's okay. It's just, <laughs> we, we don't do, and I love that you're like, we don't know the answers to everything. Yeah. And it's we just all, try and find people who do know those. Yeah. yeah teletherapy is just so relatively still new. So it's like, you know, this experts are still being made, I think. And um, yeah. And I think previously it, like, we wouldn't have chosen teletherapy for, like, we would, like, given the choice, we would have chosen in-person therapy for those sure. students. So I think it's something that, like, not a lot of people have done a lot of yet. Um, like, I know there are some experts in that area who are now, like, exploring it more. Um, mm -hmm. And that could be, like, a super cool follow-up interview. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's, we're still figuring that out. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll get to start seeing more. That's of those right. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Um, and then do you have any tips on assessment? I know this is a whole can of worms, but do you have any like quick suggestions? To um, assessment. I mean, I've always used Q global, um, since I started teletherapy and I love it. Um, I think, you know, there's sometimes Okay, so I guess it's breaking up a little bit. Um, so while that is figuring itself, like while the video catches up, um, one the question, the last question is um, just talking about lighting. So 
um, from what I, like I'm sitting right by my window and I think that's what a lot of speech therapists do. You can get little lights too um, that can be helpful um, if you like don't have the luxury of being by a window, but I think natural lighting is always super nice. Um, and then just kind of test out different areas, like whatever flexibility you have, like, because we definitely want the student to be able to see our face and um, all of that. So yeah, just whatever. And it's, that was also a tip for the students who are hard of hearing. So I think it's important to consider that I think if you have natural lighting, that's amazing. Or there's little lights that you can purchase on Amazon too to help mm -hmm. kind of increase yes. things. Um, but yeah, you were saying for assessment, you recommended Q Global. Yeah, so I've always used Q Global. It's always had everything I need and I can share my screen so I can like see where their mouse is pointing on the receptive tasks. Um, and then I just obviously note in my report that it was administered via teletherapy and you have to just kind of look about what the standardization allows for that. So, um, you know, just kind of looking over, you know, what, what do you need to include in the report and what, um, um, like scores can you report or not report? And so, or you report with a little excerpt about that it was administered via teletherapy or parent health assisted or whatever. So, um, but, you know, as we know, there's lots of other ways to assess a student by teacher interview, parent interview, um, work samples, just spontaneous conversation. So, you know, don't be too scared off that the fact that it's not um, this flip book that you're used to in the standardized assessment world. So yeah, we just get to get creative with yes. what yeah. we use. So it's called Q Global. Yep, Q Global. It's by Pearson. So Pearson publishes most of our standardized assessments. So it's like the digital form. And I believe it's free through June. Don't quote me, but I know. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's right. But um, it's, if nothing else, look, get in there and diet, look in and see, what, see what's available. So nice. That's super interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think that's all we've got. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in and um, sharing your experience. We've got extra members in the audience now. <laughs> um, and yeah, thank you, Stacey. Sorry, and guys. Thank you to everyone for tuning in and we'll see you next time. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Talking Teletherapy. Please visit the speechtherapypd.com slash teletherapy site for information about upcoming episodes and webinars. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. Thanks again for joining us and listening in, and I hope you have an amazing week. See you soon.